Welcome to Quantum Kingdom Life. I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna. And there's the fingers waving. There were the queen's wave. Anyway, we're going to get started tonight. We've got a great message and I'm excited about it. The Holy Spirit spoke to me to share this. It's called 30 Different Motions, Movements, and Emotions of Biblical Worship. 30 Different Movements, Motions, and Emotions of Worship. A lot of times we see people express worship in different ways in a church setting or otherwise. And we look and we say, why are they dancing before the Lord? Or why are they prostate on the, their face before the Lord? Or why are they on their knees and their hands are in the air? Or why are they twirling around? Well, we're going to find out tonight, biblically, how varieties and expressions of the Holy Spirit operate through different people in different ways. Before we move on, I just want to share with you that we just got done doing a Bible packing. And I want to thank the volunteers here we've got behind us is a bunch of Bibles are stacked up and we send Bibles to prisoners in different facilities across the United States. It's really somewhere between, I think, 1,300 and 1,500 prisons across the United States. So I want to thank the volunteers. And so a round of applause. Can somebody hand me a Bible real quick? Yeah, just any Bible. Yeah, that one right there. The one on the left there. Yeah, that gives you an idea. Don't know if this one is uh, unwrapped or not. Okay, so let's get one that's unwrapped. Though. Maybe that Ministry Essentials Bible. So here's an example of what a Bible looks like that we send into the prisons. And maybe trade that out. And here we go. These weigh a lot. So this is what we send in through Heartland Bookstore, through Heart of America Prison Ministries, helping change lives one Bible at a time. We've been doing this for over 25 years. And the way we got into prison ministry is uh, in response to my mother's prayers when I, of course, was in prison in Leavenworth Penitentiary. And if you're in Leavenworth, you're not right with God. You're always just one heartbeat away from hell, at least back then when it was a max and I was in a supermax for stolen jets and cocaine trafficking for the Colombian drug cartel. God's responded to my mother's prayers and Jesus appeared in my prison cell in 1990. I was forever changed. Then he gave me a vision about a tree of books sprouting up through the ring finger of my right hand in the Colorado foothills. I was in Leavenworth, Kansas at the time, but the dream was in the Colorado foothills. And then the scene changed. Lumberjacks come to try to chop the tree down. You can actually read this vision. I wrote the vision back in 1990 of what the Lord had shown me as a young believer. Well, 32 years later, it's now come to pass, but um, the tree erupted up out of the earth and it became a tree of books. The prisoners would come in hopes that a tree would fall from one of the branches for them. And lumberjacks would come to try to chop the tree down. It's, it's, so it's on heartprisonministries.org. Heartprisonministries.org. Heart spelled like H-E-A-R-T. Prisonministries.org. You can just look it up on Heart of America Prison Ministries. So go to Tree of Books Vision. It's really a fascinating vision. And the reason it's fascinating is I didn't like to write. I didn't even like to read at the time the Lord gave me this vision. Often the thing that you least like doing Amen. is what you're called to because you've been rebelling against your God-given calling 
to start with. Anything that we do without God, we must either fail at it miserably or succeed at it even more miserably. Wow, point to ponder. And the majority of mankind's problems, if not all of mankind's problems, are rooted in one thing. Mankind trying to accomplish their God-given calling without God. True. So, I'll give you an example. Moses was trying to fulfill his God-given calling of being a deliverer of Israel without God, kills an Egyptian, gets banished on the backside of the mountain for 40 years, becomes the meekest man on all the earth as God breaks him on the backside of the mountain. He goes from a powerful you know, person in Egypt, well-educated, to the backside of the mountain as a shepherd shepherding sheep and smelling like sheep. And you know, if you're going to be a good shepherd or a good pastor, you have to risk getting close enough to the sheep to risk actually smelling like some of them. And so if you're not close enough to the sheep to smell like some of them from time to time, you're probably not really a pastor or a shepherd. You might be a pulpiteer and you might be a great orator, but it's not a pastor's heart. Just, uh, just saying. Anyway, uh, so Heart of America Prison Ministries. So these are the kinds of Bibles that we send into the prisons. Just to give you an idea, this is, you know, the Word of God, the trusty 66 between two fine Corinthian bonded leather covers. And I received a Bible in 1990 from the individual who helped lead me to Christ. His name was Shane. He got out of prison. He was also healed of uh, five compression fractures and three blown discs in the cell in response to uh, God setting me up to cause me to believe in miracles. I was un saved at the time and I finally felt so bad for him it was such a pitiful sight it was in front of my chiropractor co-defendant um, and uh, he said you know Shane regardless of what kind of medical treatment comes in the next you know 20 years you've you've got the back of an 85 year old man that's decrepit and not healthy he says you're 28 years old and he said you're gonna have back problems all your life and Shane said to him he says I don't receive that I believe God is going to heal me and I'm contending for my miracle. Amen. Well, 15 minutes later, we had just gotten done, or I had just gotten done watching Shane listen to R.W. Shambach on 15.50 a.m., a, a healing evangelist out of Tyler, Texas. And I had listened to Shambach a couple of times and he really caught my attention. He was a preacher, not a teacher, and he would tell these fantastical stories and talk about these miracles and he would tie it in. He would lead people in the prayer of faith for their own healing. And uh, it was 15.58 and we had this little radio that we bought for like $16.90 off the commissary. And these two AA batteries would go into it. Maybe they were AAAs. And you'd have to listen with your headphones like one on and you'd have to like stretch the radio out next to the seamount wall and the metal bunk, you know, to get that radio station in Building 63 in Leavenworth Penitentiary that was the prison, inside the prison, inside the prison. It's actually where the Birdman of Alcatraz actually had his birds was in Building 63, and that's where I was uh, secreted away by the uh, U.S. federal government pre-trial, and uh, God had me secreted away for a different reason. Sometimes God will start to remove the props, and he'll start closing doors and avenues if you've been a runner. You run from God, he'll keep on putting up blockades until the only thing left is him standing in front of you, which is the answer. And the other direction is the devil. And, you know, some people still make the wrong choice. But in response to my mother's prayers, God helped me make the right choice. And I accepted Jesus. But what happened was Shane had prayed that prayer of faith 
with R.W. Schambach, their radio preacher, repeatedly and no miracle had ever happened. And I finally looked over and Shane was as close to me as, uh, you know, I am to this camera. And long story short, what had happened was um, I said, God, I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you're up there, but if you are up there and you are real and you heal like R.W. Schambach claims and the Bible claims and you still heal today, I'm not asking for myself. I'm asking for Shane, who claims to be your servant. I'm asking you to heal him now. And as I said those words and I got done as an unsaved person who thought God's last name was something else and, and uh, had that come out of my mouth quite a bit. And what happened was I saw what appeared to be like a clear gel come and rest on Shane's head and come down his shoulders. And remember, the chiropractor is in the cell eight feet away from us and I'm two feet away from Shane side bunks and I heard this sound five compression fractures and three bone deaths and I saw this clear substance which I now know is the anointing of the Holy Spirit but I didn't at the time it was like a you know, movie I was seeing it I couldn't see it and I heard pop pop crack pop pop crack pop crack and Shane went Dave, and he called my co-defendant's name. And he called mine. He goes, Hallelujah, I'm healed. And he turned off his headphone. And he goes, Thank you, Jesus, I'm healed. And literally, he then put his feet off the bunk. It would take him two to three minutes to get out of bed. And they'd taken away his back brace. He was in a single car auto accident. And so he had a broken back and they wouldn't give him his back brace because it had metal strips in it. And we were in the hole or solitary housing unit or you know, you know, the big lockdown one, they don't want you using those weapons. And so um, he literally got off the bunk, he stood up and he bent down once and he bent down twice the second time, went down farther. The third time he touched his toes and the fourth time he put his palms flat on the ground with his knees locked out and he had more flexibility than I did and my co-defendant, we were in good shape. And so it was an amazing, amazing testimony. And my co-defendant used to see 100, chiropr- 100 patients a week on the street as a chiropractor. And so what had happened was he said, Shane, he said, let me examine your back. He said, no, he says, you're not going to steal my miracle. And my co-defendant said, Shane, I'm sorry I said what I said. I spoke to you from a natural perspective as a chiropractor or doctor, he said, I repented after I had said that, the Lord really dealt with me. He said, now I'm speaking to you as a doctor to confirm what God has done in the supernatural because I believe you do have a miracle and true miracles can be confirmed by medical science. So Shane laid on his face and my co-defendant looked at his back and all the bones were back in place and where my co-defendant had examined him before and didn't even want him to know that he was a chiropractor. That's how bad Shane's back was. He looked at his back and he saw that there was blood flow on all of the bones. And that night Shane worked out with us and I didn't get saved that night. I was a knucklehead, you know, 
hard head makes you know a soft bottom and I was paddled pretty good by the Lord and so that was the beginning of miracles my first prayer for healing happened before I was saved and it resulted in God answering with a creative miracle in front of a witness that is a chiropractor and was my co-defendant this wasn't some guy I met I knew him and so Shane worked out with us with like water bags we filled up some trash bags with water and took the the plunger handle and wrapped it around we're working out with it and I was doing dips on the shower so was Shane and he was doing push-ups he's completely healed and that next day the the uh, rabbi came through and we shared with the rabbi about this miracle and his response shocked me because I'm half Jewish and his response you know the God of miracles God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob who parted the Red Sea who brought water from the rock you know manna from the sky he said, oh, it's probably that good hard bed in there. And I thought, you ever slept on one of these good hard beds in Leavenworth Penitentiary in Building 63? It's a metal bunk. You come in here and get your back healed, I'm thinking to myself. But right there I realized I wanted to serve the God of miracles that was real. Because people don't want to hear about God, they want to hear from God. Do you hear what I just said? Yeah. People don't want to hear about God. Because when you go to preach to people about God, they might politely listen to you. They don't really want to hear it. They want to hear from God. If you have a prophetic word for them that tells them something personal about their life or a message from God, they get hungry for that. That's why we need to be a prophetic church. And if we're not prophetic, sometimes we're just pathetic, right? And if we're not anointed, sometimes we're just annoying. Absolutely. And if you have a word from heaven for somebody, it will change their life. It will be a door opener. It will be a key that unlocks the door into their heart because prophecy encounters people with a living God because people don't want to hear about God as much as they want to hear from God. This is why we teach people how to hear God's voice on these Wednesday night Bible studies and on all the books. Uh, here's one. Uh, jet ride no it's called uh, no one goes to hell by accident it came God spoke to me and guess what people get spoken to through our books because when they're reading it brings them into that atmosphere and the atmosphere of expectancy is a breeding ground of miracles and all faith comes from hearing faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God Romans 10 17 well faith really comes by hearing God speak Amen. not the said word but the saying word the word that's alive and so if you're at a restaurant and you leave the waiter a tip of a Bible track, they're not that impressed. But if you leave them a nice tip more than the people at other tables, you catch their attention because you honor them. And if you are kind to them while they're serving you and you treat them in respect and love, they will respond to that. That's more important than money. And guess what? When you give them money as well, they respond to that. Now, if you want to add a Bible track, that's great. It's the cherry on top, but you can't just give them a cherry. They can't live off that. They need you know, the rest of it. But what happens is when my wife and I are at dinner, very often we rarely tell people about God at dinner. I mean, we just got out of ministry. We're at dinner or we're trying to get a night off. But what will happen invariably God will give my wife a prophetic word specifically for women who have been uh, traumatized or abused or men who've been traumatized and abused. She has a real gift in that area. 
For me, normally I get a word of knowledge about a physical healing they need, and then I'll pray for them or I'll ask permission to pray for them, and they'll get a healing or a prophetic word will come from one of us or sometimes both. And they come to the Lord through mighty signs and wonders because they're not hearing about God, they're experiencing God. They're not hearing about our God, they're hearing a word from God. Does that make sense? So this is what I encourage you to do. Ask God to begin to give you words of knowledge and words of wisdom and healing for those that you encounter. We were just in, I think, Houston. We were at a restaurant with some friends and a woman came up and we're having this wonderful meal and we're being honored. And this woman comes up and she's kind of messing up our order a little bit, right? Now, I had an opportunity in that moment. What's wrong in her life? Because she works at this higher-end restaurant. You couldn't be here that long. So I asked her how long she'd worked there, and she told me. So I knew this was an off night for her. And I looked, and she had a wrist brace on, like for carpal tunnel or something like that. So I waited, and you know, I was polite. Oh, could you bring me? Thank you so much. Very polite, honoring her. And finally, she comes back to the table, and we're having our meal, but we always stop for encounters with God, for miracles, to release God's love for the one. And I said to her, I said, oh, what's, what's, why do you wear the wrist brace? She says, oh, I damaged my wrist and this and that, you know, with these heavy plates and it's been going on. I said, oh, I said, wow. I said, could I pray for you for God to heal you instantly? <laughs> and she looked and she said, oh, I'd like that. I said, is it okay if I put my hand on your wrist? And she says, here. <laughs> but what if I had treated her poorly while she was making mistakes? I would have disqualified myself for having a voice into her life with the love of God. People don't know, care how much we know until they know how much we care. And so what happened was I laid hands on her wrist and I made the commands in the name of Jesus and I commanded the tunnel to open and the nerves to, you know, unswell and whatever the Holy Spirit told me to speak that I saw in that moment. And I look up when I'm done and our whole table is got their hands stretched out, got six other people in agreement for healing. So here we are having a wonderful meal with Christians, but they all stopped because God was at work. And remember this, we don't ask God to bless our plans. God already has plans. And if we'll just find out what they are, they're already blessed. God bless me and I'm going to go do Lord, what are you up to? I want to join you as a hammer in the carpenter's hand because I know you're a great carpenter and you're about to build something great. Can I be that hammer? You can just use my head to knock some you know, stuff into the wall and you know, build something great with. You know, the gifts of the Spirit are always moving. We're, always, we're just not always in the Spirit to move in them. Let me repeat that. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are always moving. We're just not always in the Spirit to move in them. So if we step into the Spirit, we'll begin to move in the gifts because the gifts of the Spirit are always moving because God's always on the move. The question is, are we moving with Him? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos 3, 3. All we have to do is agree with God. And, you know, my yoke is easy, Jesus said. My burden is light. Anything that we're doing that has a heavy burden or a hard yoke, it's not from the Lord or we're not wearing the yoke correctly. You know, there's two yokes, two oxen and a yoke. There's a more adult animal and a younger animal. 
The adult animal is normally a little bit bigger and stronger, and it's been doing this a long time. So they yoke a younger animal with the larger animal. And if the younger one stays in stride with the older one who's on the path of righteousness or the straight path, the younger one has very little difficulty carrying the load. The yoke is easy and the burden is light because he's working with an older animal that's stronger and more mature. But when the young one starts to get off the track, he runs into the strength of the older one, not old as in decrepit, but older as in mature and stronger. And the younger one then learns it's easier to walk when yoked together in agreement. What happens is we get out of agreement as young bucks when we're yoked together with Jesus and we blame the devil that it's happening when it's really we're out of alignment with God. But if we would walk on the path with him and hear the voice in our ear, here's the way walk ye in it, it'll be an easy yoke and the burden will be light. You know why? Because the bigger animal carries the majority of the weight and Jesus can carry all the weight and all we have to do is walk with him stride in stride. So in that dream that I had in 1990 in Leavenworth Penitentiary about the three books that came out of my right hand, it became a writing ministry and a Bible to prisoners ministry. So we provided uh, with the help of partners and donations uh, about 10,000 bonded leather bound study Bibles in prisons across the United States. We donated 15,000 copies of my book, uh, Jet Ride to Hell Journey to Freedom. If you haven't got that, jetridebook.com. You can go online and buy that. It's on Kindle, also on Softback. You can also buy it off virtualchurchmedia.com. And then I've written about 14 or 15 other books. And so those are also available. Now I shared all that to say this. This was a guy who responded to the Lord and the vision in 1990 in a prison cell. When God, I woke up and I said, God, I don't want to be a writer. I don't even like to read. And the audible voice of God spoke back to me in that cell in Building 63 in Leavenworth Penitentiary in Kansas, in that lockdown unit. He said, just as it was told to Joseph, it shall be done. And the Holy Spirit on the inside of me said, yes, Lord, like an obedient soldier. And I'm like, what just happened? Like I wasn't even really part of the equation. I was like along for the ride. It's like I was watching the, the scene, but I was like you know, kind of afraid to say anything at that point. And so, you know, I already ended up in the belly of a big fish in Leavenworth Penitentiary. I didn't want to end up even worse, you know, rejecting or arguing with God. So that was X amount of books ago. We also uh, donated uh, with uh, Prison Power Ministries, Bill Corum. We wrote a book, a multi-author book called Nuggets of Gold. So it's 12 authors, about six daily devotionals each, about 72 pages with biographies. And about 60,000 copies of that book went into the prisons in the last 18 to 24 months. And so in the midst of a lockdown and COVID, we just authored more books and now the gospel is going out. And then we recently got an invitation. My book went on these like Kindle tablets are called Adobo tablets through Christian Libraries International. And they went into 150 prisons. And of those 150 prisons, it represents about... Uh, think about 100,000 prisoners in, in prison. So they took um, my book, Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom. I donated the intellectual property rights and with a click of a mouse, 100,000 prisoners now have access to my book. And so I wrote them and I said, I have other books and I suggest this one. 
And long story short, they've added a total of six of my books onto those tablets. So remember the tree of books? I don't want to be a writer. I don't even like to read. God will turn your no into a yes through the journey and he'll develop something in you that you don't want to do. He'll change your heart. There's an interesting scripture. Um, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. A lot of us are familiar with that verse. If we delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart. It's in the book of Psalms. And as I read that, I read it in the original Hebrew and it's really make oneself pliable, make your heart pliable in the hand of the Lord like pottery on a potter's wheel. And what happens is if we delight ourselves in the Lord or we make our heart changeable or pliable, he'll give us the desires of our heart. But here's the key. comes back to being yoked together. Can two walk together except they be in agreement? God, when we delight ourselves in him, we're saying, Lord, I want your desires. So our heart's desires are changed into his desires. Then he answers his own desires in our heart. Isn't that amazing? So what happens is when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he then begins to open doors for us and breathe on those things. Anything we do without God, we must fail at miserably or succeed at it even more miserably. Back to that illustration. I succeeded very miserably as a young 21 to 24 year old man. I had five watch stores. I had a wholesale company, an import company. I was worth a million on Dun & Bradstreet by age 24, and I was absolutely miserable. And now I can tell you, I'm not currently worth that, but I'm happy. And guess what? God is adding. Because when we, we put our hand to something he told us to do, and he puts his hand on our hand, he'll take what we do in the natural out of obedience. He'll add his hand to it, which is supernatural, and he takes our natural and his super and it becomes supernatural pretty exciting okay into the message movements motions and emotions of biblical worship john 4 24 god is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth so there's a worshiping of god that comes worshiping in spirit our most inner man and in truth 30 movements motions and emotions of biblical worship is the title of this message i'm david herobedian i approve this message <laughs> first samuel 16 7 but the lord said to samuel do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature because i have rejected him for god sees not as man sees for man looks on the outward appearance but the Lord looks on the heart. Man looks on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. There was a time when David was in the Old Testament dancing before the Ark of the Lord, and David's own wife despised him because of his expression of worship. David was worshiping in spirit and in truth, and he may have been doing it in his ephod, his undergarment, in front of everybody publicly. I'm not suggesting that's how we worship. Keep your clothes on unless you're alone, you know. But that day he was exuberant before the Lord because the ark of the Lord had been returned. But David's wife, Michaela, she 
despised him in her heart. And she spoke against the Lord's anointed, the king, David, who was anointed to be prophet, priest, and king. And she says, will you, you know, do this? And like one of the vile fellows in front of the, 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 the servant girls, you know, what are you doing? Don't do that. She became high-minded. Her nose was so high in the air that if it had rained that day, she would have drowned. <laughs> and sometimes we can have our nose so high in the air when we see somebody else with exuberant worship because they're expressing themselves in a way that's different than us that we can despise them. But don't do it because it says this, that David's wife, Michaela, she was barren in her womb from that day forward. She couldn't conceive or give birth. Now, whether they didn't come together again or her womb was closed, the point is prophetically, spiritually, when we speak against the anointing of the Holy Spirit or the motions, movements, and emotions of worship that is being expressed by the Holy Spirit through that individual that's different than the way we express it, we can actually become spiritually barren. Interesting, isn't it? So let's respect one another's expressions of worship. And if it's them being an exhibitionist, if it's them in the flesh, it'll die down over time. But if it's God and we speak against it, it can cost us till we repent. So right now, Lord, we just repent for anything that we've said against any of your servants that we did not understand at the time. And we now start afresh with you. We ask you to wash us with the cleansing blood of Jesus, change our mind, give us the mind of Christ that we might discerningly see what we have not been able to see, that we might step in and operate in all the expressions of worship that you want us to partner with you in to glorify your name. Amen and amen. And now I shall drink a bit of water before we get into the 30. And we're going to bounce through these. We're not going to spend 10 minutes on each one, which I would like to do, but we're not going to. I might have to write a book on this. Okay. So first of all, the uh, Cain, okay, let's talk about Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, 4 through 7. So Genesis chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, Cain and Abel, brothers, Eve conceived once, but she gave birth twice, so they're twins. So Cain and Abel are twins. But Abel brought fat portions for some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked at him, looked with favor on Abel, and his offering, but Cain and his offering, he did not look on with favor. So Cain was angry and his face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. So Cain and Abel had the same opportunity. It wasn't a, a, a grain offering versus a meat offering that made it acceptable or unacceptable to the Lord. Because you see, grain offerings and heave offerings and wave offerings and everything else accepted in the book of Leviticus. The reason that Cain's offering was rejected and Abel's offering was accepted was the state of the human heart. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. How do I know this? Because it says this, that Abel brought the first flocks or the first fruits. It says that Cain brought his offering at the end of days. Well, what's the difference? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so the first flocks is Abel, who brought an acceptable offering. He brought it by faith because they were the first of his flock. He didn't know whether there was going to be wolves in the area that were going to eat his animals. He didn't know whether there was going to be some that died by plagues. What did he do? He 
brought the first fruits by faith. Cain, on the other hand, once he saw the harvest come in, he brought God the leftovers by sight. For we walk by faith like Abel with the first fruits, not by sight like Cain with the leftovers. One day, I was uh, just coming off a two or three day fast with some friends. We were in prison and we'd gotten kind of like a bootleg pizza out of the uh, officer's mess hall. And uh, so they brought it to us and, you know, tax dollars hard at work. And, you know, we felt like we, we were going to eat that and that was good. And, you know, God had allowed us to have that. As a matter of fact, one of the staff members had blessed the guy who made it for us. And, you know, so it was kind of like one of those sanctioned deals. So here we've got this pizza and it's got all this extra cheese and the smell and it's just come out. And there's three of us getting ready to break a fast and, you know, three guys in prison, two day, three day fast. You know, we're going to devour that pizza and some inmate who wasn't as spiritual and religious as us on a fast comes walking in and didn't deserve our pizza in our minds and he comes walking in he goes hey what are you guys doing uh we're just getting ready to uh eat and he goes wow where'd you get that pizza I'm like don't ask questions in the big house pal <laughs> and he's like okay okay i'm like you know we got it at the getting place and he's like the getting place i said yeah you know where the getting place is at he said no i said that's why you ain't got that's right <laughs> anyway just some prison terminology so so I realized that this guy wants to eat a slice of our pizza. And I'm looking at the other two guys, and they're like, this guy's not going to get our pizza. And I'm thinking, oh, aren't we spiritual? Got all selfish after a two- or three-day fast. Oh, aren't we passing this test, right? And so I finally looked, and I said, we're just going to go ahead and pray over this. And I prayed over it. And I said, would you like a piece of pizza? And he goes, oh, you know, sure would. That's awesome. The other guys looked at me. I go, we're going to give you our first fruits offering. And so we gave him the first slice out of that whole perfect pie. And you want to know what happened? Our stomachs were shrunk up from the three-day fast or whatever it was. We couldn't finish it anyway. But my point is this. How would that guy have felt had we eaten pizza in front of him and when we realized we couldn't finish it, we gave him the last fruits and the leftovers offering. It would have been the exact same pizza, exact same calories, exact same protein, exact same flavor. But it would have changed the spirit of the transaction because we were walking by sight with what we had. As leftovers, we had enough to give unto the guy because we were satisfied. But instead, we were very hungry and we gave the first fruits offering to somebody who in our minds didn't qualify, but he qualified in God's eyes. And we ended up leading him to Christ and he became a disciple of the Lord through the ministry of pizza. That's right. So by honoring God and honoring other people by faith with the first fruits, it changes the atmosphere. And so Cain's offering was a last fruits by faith and rejected and sin was crouching at his door seeking to have him. Abel gave a first fruits offering by faith and was honored by God. Cain ended up slaying or murdering his twin brother and was banished to the land of Nod, which means wandering for the rest of his life. Okay, so give your first fruits. Don't be like Cain and go kill your brother. And if you're not your brother's keeper, you could end up your brother's killer. Okay, be careful.
Okay, just talking biblically. And by the way, that was the spirit of jealousy. The spirit of jealousy is a murdering spirit. So when they say, oh, you know, she's just jealous of me, that's a murdering spiritual character assassinates you. The guy says, you know, he's just jealous of me. Guess what? He'll steal your goods. He might, might, might rob your house. He might, might take... Be careful with that spirit of jealousy and don't put things in people's face because if they have a jealous spirit, they will go behind and undermine you. In fact, you know, we're even careful at this point what we're posting up on social media because as God is blessing our lives right now, not everybody's happy about that. They should be, but they're not. And so we're having to dial down because not everybody celebrates what God's celebrating. So if God's celebrating somebody, celebrate them as well with God, partner with him. Amen. You know what I do when I see God blessing somebody? I like to sow into their lives. I do. I give them clothing. I honor them. I take them out to dinner because God is blessing that person. I want to partner with God and participate in that because whatever we partner with God in, it, it gets enhanced. Anyway, so don't speak against him. You know, bless him. Strong's Old Testament Hebrew word for worship is the word shakah. It's Strong's Hebrew 78, 12. And it means to bow down, to depress down, or to prostrate oneself before a superior in homage, before God in worship, or wrongly before a false god. Or you, some people prostrate themselves before an angel, and an angel will say, get up, worship God only, for I am your fellow servant. So the Hebrew New Testament word, or the, that's the Old Testament word, shaka, Strong's Hebrew 78.12, and the New Testament Greek word, because the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, the New Testament's written in the Koine Greek language. And uh, the, the New Testament Greek word is number 4352 in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. It's the word proskuneo, proskuneo, and it means to kiss the hand towards one in a token of reverence. When your dog comes up to you when you come home and he licks the back of your hand, that's a form of worship. So the closest thing we have to worship is your dog coming up and licking your hand in reverence and appreciation as you're the master that provides for him his food and his water and takes care of him. And, every, and if you leave the house, he's like, you know, so sorry you're gone. And you leave and you forgot your sunglasses in the house, and you come back in the house 90 seconds later, the dog is elated to see you as if you've been gone two weeks. What's he do? He licks the back of your hand. He worships the ground you walk on because you are his master, his provider, the one that puts out his water and his food, takes him to the vet if he gets sick. He's excited to see you. And that's how we should be when we see God. That's what worship is at its core. We should be excited to worship him Amen. every opportunity we get because he's the provider. So in other ones, among the Orientals, uh, especially the Persians, worship was to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence. Trust me, when God shows up in a prison cell and Jesus appeared to me in a prison cell, I got on my knees before him and bowed before him. The presence of God was so strong. And you can also kneel in prostration or do homage to one or make obeisance, whether in order to express respect or to make supplication. It's used of homage shown to men being 
or in beings of superior rank, the Jewish high priest, to God, to Christ, to heavenly beings, and you don't want to bow down to demons, but demons love worship. So don't worship the enemy, and uh, don't worship uh, a 90-foot idol of gold, like they were required to do in the days of Daniel when they refused to do so. They were thrown in the fiery furnace, but they didn't bow, and they did not burn, and the fourth man showed up in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his name was the Son of God. And they didn't get burned, and they came out without the smell of smoke on their hair, their body, or their clothing, and they were exalted into the three positions of authority because they refused to bow down to false gods. Now you say, well, David, we would never bow down to a 90-foot idol of gold, but you might buy a bow down to your car or your Rolex watch or your diamond ring. When you walk in, look what my husband bought me. You know, I need a pulley to lift my hand. Glory be to me, myself, and I, the Holy Trinity. Let us worship and bow down. So we can end up worshiping things or our football teams or our baseball teams or our job or even these are my wonderful children. This one's a doctor. This one's an accountant. You know, so we want to thank God for those things. And we want to express it in a way that this is the blessing of the Lord and point people back to him with the things he gives us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto us. But if we seek the things first like Cain, we could slay our brother Abel. We don't want to be rejected. We want to be accepted. And this, the playing field is equal for everyone, whether we realize it or not. For God does not look on the outward appearances. Man looketh upon your Chanel purse and your Versace suit. God looketh upon the heart. Now, by the way, if he gives you those things, that's great. But I've been in khakis for 20 years in prison with a t-shirt with my number on it. And I was living like a king in prison, but I looked like a pauper. Then I came out and God began to bless me and gave me nice clothes, but I didn't have any money when I first many, many years, but I looked good. So everything can be, you know, just like, the whole thing is, are you right with God? And that's what God looks at is upon the heart. And this is why worship is so important. God's, God shows up when we do something to attract him. Psalms 33, one through five. And when we do something to attract God, which is worship, praise, thanksgiving, he shows up. God inhabits the praises of his people. We enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. Psalms 104 and Colossians 4.2. We enter his courts with praise. Psalms 100 verse 4. And also Psalms 100 or 150 verses 1 through 6 and Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15. But worship comes when we worship him in spirit and in truth. So we give thanksgiving with our hand claps for things we see. We give him praise with our mind, will, and emotions, right? We praise you, Lord. But worship comes by seeing him. Outer courts, thanksgiving. We enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We enter his courts with praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be glad. But those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So outer courts is thanksgiving, inner courts is praise, and holy of holies is worship. And the only time we can worship him is when he reveals himself to us. We want to bow and lick the back of his hand. He's master. So what are the expressions of worship? 
And when he reveals himself, like when the angels, the seraphims go around the throne of God and they would say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah chapter six. Here's what would happen. I believe every time the angels went around and they went around, God revealed another facet of himself. He just kind of opened his coat. This is another thing. Oh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And every time they honored him, he literally reveals another facet of his greatness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When you worship God, he will reveal things to you that you would never know without worship because you attract him when you worship him. And miracles happen based upon proximity to him. So when you hang out with him, his presence and his power goes with you. Peter's shadow healed the sick and cast out devils in Acts chapter 5. It wasn't Peter's shadow that did it because if it was Peter's shadow, it only would have worked on a sunny day. It was the Holy Spirit shining out of him. The episkizo in the original Greek language, the adumbration of his glory. It's the same type of glory that came upon Mary when she said, how will this be that I will be with child? I have never known a man. I've never been intimate with a man. The episkizo, the adumbration of God's glory will come upon you. The spirit of God will overshadow you and you will be conceived with a child. When Peter, Mary conceived on the inside, when the glory of God came on Peter, it's shown on the outside because there's different expressions of the glory of God. And Peter's shadow, which was the radiant manifest presence of God shining out of Peter healed the sick and cast out devils. I was walking through a church service. I was walking in the back, going to the front and the glory of God was on me at that moment as I walked by uh, the shadow of the Holy Spirit's presence Upon me, I didn't even know what was happening. A person told me afterwards. They said, when you walked by me, I felt the heat go up my right leg and it went through my body and I was delivered with the spirit of alcohol instantly. And I was like, oh, praise God. See, I didn't even know. People would reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment by faith and it would pull virtue out of him. The woman with the blood issue was healed when she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. He says, who touched me? And they said, well, Master, the, the, the people are thronging you. There's all kinds of multitudes here. We don't know who touched you. He says, no, one of them touched me and I felt virtue or dunamis, miracle working power go out of me. Who touched me by faith? You know, you can be in a service and other people are getting healed and you can miss your day of visitation because you didn't reach out by faith. Wow. In Acts chapter, in Luke chapter five, there was, uh, the power of God was present to heal the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but none of them got healed. But a guy got lowered through the tiles and the roof into the presence of Jesus. He got healed. Why did only one get healed when the power of God was present to heal them all? Only one reached out by faith and virtue came out. Are you hungry for Jesus? You know, in Luke chapter 24 on the road to Emmaus, the disciples who'd been with Jesus for three and a half years didn't recognize him in his resurrected state and they thought he was dead and not resurrected they didn't know and as they walked with him on that long road to Emmaus I think it's like 20 miles or something like that and uh, don't quote me on that so it was a long walk and they would walk about 12 and a half miles a day at that time during the daylight they wouldn't walk at night because there'd be robbers out it'd be dangerous and so they were turning in for the night 
and Jesus would have walked on. But they constrained him. They said, our hearts burned within ourselves as you expounded the scriptures. They were telling Jesus, who was in his resurrected state, about how Jesus had been crucified, their, 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 their leader. And they didn't even recognize him in his resurrected state. The Bible says their eyes were holding. They couldn't see who he was, yet their hearts burned within themselves when he talked. And he expounded on all things that must happen from the Old Testament, the 333 Old Testament prophecies about the coming, the death, the burial, the resurrection of this Messiah, and how he fulfilled all of them. And this is what happened. They said, please, they constrained him to come in and stay with him, them for the night. And it came to pass as they constrained him to come in, that's when their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus. And he disappeared out of the midst. Sometimes you don't even know it's God in your midst speaking with you and to you, but your heart will burn on the inside. But if you latch onto him and you hang on to him and you ask him to reveal himself and you constrain him to walk with you, if you'll wrestle with God and not give up until he blesses you like Jacob did, you'll get a blessing and your name will be changed from Jacob to Israel. Jacob means manipulator, liar, deceiver, thief supplanter. Israel means soldier with God. You know, he can change your name on the road to Damascus like he did from Saul to Paul. He can do it like that in an instant. He did that for me in a prison cell 32 years ago. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Quickly, these are the 30 emotions, movements, and emotions of worship. And why do we share these? Because we want to be respectful of other people expressing what God has put in them and honor that and look for God in the midst and not be too religious or highfalutin where we drowned in the rain. Number one, bowing, Psalms 95, verse 6. Number two, kneeling, Ephesians 3, 14. Number three, laying prostate, prostrate, uh, Numbers 20, verse 6. Number four is weeping, Psalms 56, verse 8 through 10. Number five is laughing, you know, laughter doeth good like a medicine. My wife has the spirit of laughter come on her sometimes. When things are the toughest, all of a sudden she'll press into God, God, I'm not happy about this, and this isn't right, and this is going wrong, and they did this, and I need a sign from you, and God will speak something to her in the midst of that. Give him, give her his perspective on it. Because the Lord sits in the heaven and laughs. He knows he has a wicked and derision. He's got him. Nothing happens. You know, God's never surprised. Like somebody does something, and God's like, we go to God, and he's like, they did what? Boy, that took me by surprise. I can't believe that. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. Oh, i got to get with the angels and figure out what to do here. Plan B. No, God already has the answer before the problem ever showed up. We just don't have it. And so what will happen is, Joanna will be, all of a sudden, she'll get a holy laughter, and I'll hear her laughing in the other room, and I'm like, well, she got the breakthrough. And it's a contagious laughter because it's a holy laughter that comes upon her. That's the way that he sets her free from anguish and pain and the vicissitudes of life. And he'll do it with you in a different way. I don't really get the laughter. I get a revelation and I'm like, ah, oh, I like that. That's the strategy of heaven. So I'm like a different, different personalities, different gift mixes. So laughing, Philippians 4.4, 4, weeping, Psalms 56, 8 through 10 is number four. Number six, leaping, Luke 6.23. There's some people, they just start leaping and jumping and praising God. The man in Acts chapter 3 
got healed, he began to walk and leap and praise God. It caught everybody's attention and opened the door for the gospel to be preached. And the number of believers was added to the church that day was about 5,000. So with his leaping and praising God, 5,000 got saved. Pretty cool, huh? Well, if you'd just been crippled from your mother's womb and you just got completely healed, you'd probably leap and praise God as well. What would you use? You'd use your legs that you couldn't use for the first many years of your life. Number seven, spinning and turning, 2 Samuel 6, 16. David spinned and turned in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, remember, not everybody appreciated what he was doing, specifically his wife. Kind of ended the marriage, I guess, but be careful what you say against your husband when he's under the anointing or what you say against your wife when she's under the anointing. So, number eight, processional marching, Joshua 6, 1 through 11. They marched and God brought down the walls of Jericho. Number seven, or number nine is singing, Psalm 7, 17. You can sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Also, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, Ephesians 5, 19 is number 10. Number 11 is playing instruments, 2 Samuel 6, 4 through 5. I know people that love to play the guitar unto the Lord. My wife loves to play the piano, and she'll just go in there for an hour or two, and the pres I'll walk in in the presence of God, and I'll almost knock you over when you walk in because the glory of God, she's opened a portal. So I never say, please don't play that piano. I'm like, please play the piano. I want the presence of God. I want to fall on my face before him. And, you know, the atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. When you have that expectant spirit, when God arises, let his enemies be scattered. He inherit, inhabits the praise of his people. When you praise him and worship him, the presence come in. It opens a portal. And when God comes in, his angels come. And now the answers come. So worship will get you things with God that nothing else will. Nothing else will. Thanksgiving will get you some things. Praise will get you some things. But worship will get you everything you need that you can only worship him as he reveals himself to you. And it comes through thanksgiving for what we have seen, praise for what we believe he's bringing, and worship is when he reveals himself. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Okay, number 11, playing instruments. Number 12, speaking in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, and Acts 10, 44 through 46. Playing instruments, uh, number 11 is 2 Samuel 6, 4 through 5. Some people ping me on Facebook or, uh, you know, ask me when you, you left out a verse. It's like, you know, three years later, I'm like, I got to go back and put the verse back in. So that's why I just did that. Um, you can speak in tongues. You can also sing in tongues. So a lot of times when you're speaking in tongues, all of a sudden you'll get a breakthrough and you'll be like, and then all of a sudden an interpretation will come in English or it'll be melodic. And when you come out of that atmosphere, praying in tongues and singing in tongues with the breakthrough and getting an interpretation, there's such a refreshing to your spirit. You'll go into your prayer closet, scared, angry, frustrated, not knowing an answer. You'll come out an hour or two later and you're like, bold as a lion, everything's cool. You're like, well, wait a second, what, what happened? I don't know, but something happened in there. Everything's gonna be fine. Well, you told me it was this and that. Oh, yeah, it still is in the natural, but it's all getting ready to change. I felt something shift in the prayer closet. Well, what happened? Shift happened. That's right. It happened in the prayer closet. Things shifted. What are you guys thinking? Okay, so to the pure, all things are pure. Okay, so playing instruments, 2 Samuel 6, 4 through 5, speaking in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 15, and Acts 10, 44 through 46. Singing in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15. Speaking to yourself. You know, you can speak to yourself and it's a form 
of worship. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you have to do self-talk and speak. You're more than a conqueror. You're, 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 you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and the devil's in your ear going, well, you did this and you did that. No, no, I'm forgiven by the blood. I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. And when you do that, it's a form of worship because you're agreeing with God and you're worshiping him by agreeing with him and speaking back to yourself. David encouraged himself at the Lord in 1 Samuel verse 30, verse 6. He encouraged himself after he'd lost everything at Ziglag and his, 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 his uh, compadres, his soldiers wanted to kill him. What did he do? He stepped into an act of worship and he began to encourage himself in the Lord. Lord, send me an angel to encourage me. Send Jesus to encourage me. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself because the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is encouraging you through the difficult season. But it's really Him encouraging you and you in agreement by yoking yourself together to speak the word of the Lord to yourself to encourage your soul instead of agreeing with the word of the enemy that's in your ear, Diabolo's coming in to pound to get in. Number 15, standing and lifting hands, 1, Corinthians, you know, 1 Kings 8.22, speaking to oneself, Ephesians 5.19. Number 16, sitting, 2 Samuel 7.18. Now, can you sit and worship? Absolutely. Some people sit and they're stoked. I mean, I'm at church sometimes. There's hundreds of people there. And one of the ways that I get into the presence of God while everybody's dancing and leaping and raising their hands and they're all in one accord, I like to sit and get into the atmosphere of God. And what will happen is I can kind of sense people looking at me like, what's wrong with him? He's not part of the church. He's, no, we're all part of the church if we're born again. And what, but we express ourselves differently. There was a great revivalist in the uh, 1800s. And in the 1800s, what happened was this, great moves of God. And they couldn't explain the manifestations that were happening. And one day, four men came to the altar. And they came to the altar, and as he stepped down, one of them, as he led them in the salvation prayer, four of them slumped around him. One slumped against him and was praising God. Another one was on the ground leaping or weeping because of his, the freedom that he'd gotten from his sin. The other one was expressing praise because he'd been free from the sin. Another one was laughing because he'd been set free from his sin. The other one had slumped stoic and couldn't talk and couldn't move because that was his expression of worship and appreciation. Which one was the Holy Spirit? All four of them. But if you got saved and it was laughter, you think everybody ought to laugh when they get saved. If you got saved and you were stoic, you, you would think that you would have the stoic congregation. And what happens is we should not gravitate toward the people that are most like us to affirm us in our echo chamber of rightness. We should get into the diversity of worship and learn more ways in which God reveals himself. So every time we go around the circle with the Lord, it's holy, holy, holy for the Lord God Almighty. How the whole earth is full of his glory because he reveals another facet of himself to us in the process. So we appreciate other members in the body of Christ the way they do things and express themselves differently than us because there's the God who says, nevertheless, that means he's always the more. So standing and lifting hands, sitting, number 17, clapping hands, Psalm 70, 47, one, some people will, I'll be preaching and all of a sudden they'll be like, you 
preach it, brother. You preach it. I mean, this was their expression, right? Now, if it's not obnoxious, I celebrate that. In certain denominations, a lot of people love to clap their hands in certain cultures. And, you know, some people do it in the flesh. And then I'll kind of adjust my message into different expressions and the difference between led by the Spirit and just expressing the flesh. But a lot of times it, it encourages. They'll help you preach. It's like them saying amen. Other people will get up and go, hallelujah, glory to God, you know? I've got this one wonderful CD that I can't use. Here's why. There was a woman throughout the entire thing, she's yelling and screaming the whole time. She's so excited, but nobody really wants to hear that on a CD. But God wanted to hear it, and he was pleased with her and I was. Just couldn't use the message with groups. Yet God used her later on in my life to get me on an international television program because she was led by the Spirit and wrote an email in the middle of the night, put it in the drafts folder. And the next morning, she had confirmation. She sent one email. The next thing you know, I'm on an international TV broadcast because the person, amen, hallelujah. But years later, God used her for multitudes to hear it. And they had a record number of salvations on that program, record number for like three years. So we're closing out, we're finishing up the 30 different types of movements, motions, and emotions of biblical worship so we can get in the sandbox and play together fairly and not throw sand in each other's eyes because somebody's sitting stoic. Get up, brother. You need to praise him. Sit down, brother. You need to be stoic. Well, I'm just over here laughing away. You're disrupting the service. Well, so-and-so's over there weeping. Well, he needs to be thrown out too. When he gives glory to God and it's God's children getting set free, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So clapping hands, clapping hands Psalms 47.1, hand raising Psalms 134.2 and Psalms 141.2, running 2 Chronicles 23.12. Running is an interesting anointing. Sometimes people will get a running anointing. They'll run around the church. Other people say, well, run with me. And they'll try to stir up the anointing by running, but God's not in it because that's not what he's doing. All of a sudden, somebody will get a running anointing and it'll come on like a bunch of people and they'll start running around the church and God will do some stuff. And they'll be like, come on, run with me. I'm like, I'm not feeling it. You know, and I'll run a lap and it's not my expression, but it is theirs. I've also had the running anointing come on me before, but it's not the normal. Okay, waving and swaying, Exodus 29, 24. And running is 2 Chronicles 23, 12. So waving and swaying, sometimes I remember I was at the, uh, I, I, a lot of times when I'm stoic before the Lord, all of a sudden something will come on me, I'll stand up and I'll begin to wave my hands before the Lord and I'll actually start to do a prophetic expression when the anointing becomes strong and the presence becomes strong and it'll be almost like a sign language that will happen and it's beautiful, I've never seen it on video but I'd like to see myself in that anointing, but it's not like I'm not recording myself under that anointing because I have an audience of one and I'm focused on him licking the back of the master's hand. Okay, number, that's 2021 is shouting, 2 Samuel 6.15. Number 22, shaking and trembling, Psalms 99.1. Number 23, dancing, Psalms 149, verse three, and Psalms 150, verse four. Did you know that Jesus rejoiced in spirit? The word rejoiced in spirit in the book of Luke, it means that he twirled about with a reckless abandon. That's right. Jesus twirled about with a reckless abandon. Thank God David's wife wasn't there. She'd probably been upset about that. 
Okay, shaking and trembling, dancing, waiting before the Lord. Psalms 40, verse 1. I will wait upon the Lord. Stoic, wait, silence. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nation. Psalms 46, 10. Number 25, silence. So you've got waiting, you've got silence. Psalm 46, 10. Number 25, number 26, offering sacrifices. Genesis 4, 4, like Abel did of first fruits on the pizza to the guy who didn't deserve it versus the leftovers like Cain, you can have whatever you got left. So always give him the first fruits and just ask him to reset the clock if you've kind of fallen prey there. In Leviticus 27, verse 30, it says, if you hold back the tithe, you have to bring it in the next round, but you have to pay a 20% VIG penalty. Talk about mafia, yeah. So you might as well pay it now Instead of having to pay a fifth part thereof, Psalm, yeah, Leviticus 27, 30, verse 30. It's, it's in the Bible. I'm just letting you know. You know, we're, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge, you know. You'll either give God the tithe or, you'll give, or the devil will steal it from you. But you'll never keep it. Amen or ouch. Oh, virtualchurchmedia.com forward slash give. Okay, so prophesying. Uh, offering sacrifices, Genesis 4.4 and 1 Chronicles 21, 21 through 24. 27 is prophesying, is a form of worship. And then um, the other is uh, taking off clothing. Okay. 1 Samuel 19, 23 to 24 and 2 Samuel 6, 14 through 20 and Isaiah 20, verse 2. Isaiah walk naked. Am I recommending that? You better be led by the Spirit. <laughs> Especially if you come out of a certain lifestyle, don't think it's God. You know, God will take you out of that lifestyle. So, uh, but at home, it may be something different where you, you know, worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And you might be fully in the Spirit. There's freedom in that, yeah. Okay, and so uh, number 29, rejoicing in spirit. Luke 10, 21, Jesus rejoiced in spirit twirled about with a reckless abandon in the original Koine Greek language. And number 30, big drum roll, pouring out our soul before the Lord, 1 Samuel 1, 15, King James Version. So Hannah poured out her soul before the Lord to the point to where Eli thought she was drunk. And he rebuked her. Now, here's the high priest doesn't recognize the anointing of the Holy Spirit on a woman. Yet, when he realizes it's really the Lord as she's pouring out her soul, he repents and he blesses her. And he says, whatever you ask of the Lord, he will give you. And then Hannah, whose name means grace, was given a child by the name of Samuel. And she consecrated him unto the Lord and he was a great prophet. So you might feel barren, but as you worship, God will conceive something in you. And that's a whole lot better than seeing somebody who's worshiping and you speak against them and you become barren. Let's close. Lord, we thank you for the 30 motions, movements, and emotions of biblical worship. And we sure know that there's a lot more than that, but this is what you've revealed so far. We pray that as we worship you, like the seraphims around the throne of God in a prayer closet or in a corporate worship service, that every time you would reveal yourself to us and we would say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory, filled with his glory. We pray, Lord, that you would reveal another facet 
of yourself, that we might know you and the power of your resurrection, and then share you with others that we come into contact with, that you highlight that you want to do something for. And Lord, if you never speak to us, we will still tell people about you. But Lord, we know that people more want to hear from you than to hear about you. Show us how to be the bridge to connect people with you by the prophetic voice of the Holy Spirit speaking through us, whether by word of knowledge, word of wisdom, dream, vision, whether it's power evangelism, prophetic evangelism, a demonstration of your love, of giving, an act of kindness, patting somebody on the shoulder, giving them something, or giving them a hug, crying with those that cry, weeping with those that weep, and laughing with those that laugh, rejoicing with those that rejoice. Whatever it is, Lord, we come into yoke, fellow agreement with you. We know that you are the one that makes it possible. And Lord, I just is, I'm, I'm closing, I'm just thinking about how the dog is an example of how he licks the back of the master's hand. And your name is G-O-D, and you sent a D-O-G, a dog, to come show us how to worship. So Lord, we come today as your sons and daughters, and we worship you in spirit and in truth. And we thank you for revealing yourself so we might act the way you want us to act, even if it's as a vain fellow or a vain woman in the eyes of others because we know you do not look on outward appearance as man looketh, but you looketh upon the heart. We pray that our hearts would be clean before you and you fill us with your goodness. We thank you for washing us with the blood. We repent for anything we've said against others in the past. We thank you for clean slate and reveal yourself more and more that we might say, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory that others might know you in the power of your resurrection. Those in agreement said, Amen. I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna. And we are the Herobedians, Queens, yeah, yeah, yeah. And virtualchurchmedia.com. We love you and the Lord. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Quantum Kingdom Life, and you can also visit us at virtualchurchmedia.com. Be enabled. Give a first fruit. God bless you.